Hey folks, welcome back to the Wild Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Ayers. And in this podcast, we want to share mentorship to learn how to hunt, fish, and gather wild food. Our goal is to reduce barriers and create an inclusive and welcoming community for all folks who want to learn how to eat wild. So join us as we share stories, ethics, adventures, and knowledge about a way of life that's rooted in eating wild. Hey folks, welcome back to the Wild Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Ayers. All right, I'm I'm pretty excited because I just had Adam Foss back on the podcast, who's I really enjoy hanging out with him and, and talking about well, things that I get excited about because he can really carry a lot of energy. And so we just talked about whether you should become a bow hunter. Or more importantly, the conversation was whether Dylan should try and learn how to be a bow hunter. Is it is it time for me to pivot from my perspective as a rifle hunter, as a food first hunter, and maybe taking on learning how to bow hunt as the next step in my hunting journey. And is it also an important conversation? Because I have a lot of folks who come to the wild community saying, Hey, I want to learn to hunt. I'm not that excited about firearms or firearms ownership is difficult. It's firearm storage is difficult in the city and practicing your firearm is difficult, but maybe bow hunting is that avenue that I can take to potentially learn how to hunt. And that can be my, my, my program. So this is the conversation I had with Adam is basically, um, can hunting be for you? Uh, and this is a conversation I've been having with myself. So I think it's a great one for us to share with you. Now, Adam and I are planning a bow hunting workshop, uh, for the first weekend, actually mother's day weekend in May. So we're actually doing it on Friday and Saturday, uh, just ahead of mother's day. So you can get home in time to celebrate mother's day. Uh, but this we're going to do a couple days in the Okanagan at the Arosa Ranch. And the idea is basically to spend part of that time teaching folks how to bow hunt, uh, sorry, how to shoot bows, how to be an archer. And we're bringing in the Feathered Fletch Archery School for half a day to support that. And then we're going to jump into sort of the how to hunt component uh, with a bow. And we've got a couple days where the programming developed that I think is going to help you take that step forward in your hunting journey. I'm actually going as a participant for the most part, so I can carry on with my journey and, and excitement on, on this bow hunting program. Of course, I'll be there telling stories and, and cook it for the group, but I'll leave it to Adam and, and the Feathered Fletch Archery crew to talk about the foundational pieces of bow hunting. So I hope you can join that. Anyways, this conversation is another great conversation with Adam Foss. And, and if you've caught anything with Adam before, Adam is a, um, he's a amazing photographer, first and foremost. His Adam Foss Media is his program. Um, him and his wife, Frankie, travel around the world taking amazing pictures and videos of folks who are generally hunting or doing outdoor adventures. Uh, they do a ton of work in the conservation space and uh, work with all kinds of interesting brands that support the outdoor adventurers and, and hunters out there. So they they've got an amazing life and, and just generally fun people to, uh, chat with about these things I'm passionate about and super knowledgeable. And it's going to be a great person to have on the boat for the bow hunting podcast. Um, Adam is also one of BC's and all well, Canada's sort of leading bow hunters. He's accomplished a hell of a lot in his young life as a bow hunter. So we'll hear all about that at the workshop. Okay. So this podcast is brought to you by our friends at 
seek outside. They make amazing tents, particularly ones with little wood stoves in them that keep you warm and cozy on adventures. We, we just came back from a winter uh, goat hunt in the north coast of BC, and I was so thankful that we had uh, actually Seek Outside sent us a, an extra large uh, wood stove for our for our tent set up up there just to ensure that we survived. And I was so fortunate that they did because, uh, yeah, it was it was cold, and uh, and we spent a lot long nights in the tent, and fortunate to have that wood stove to keep us going. And also, we were able to cook on top of that stove as well as as our fuel was running a bit low through the through the trip. So again, awesome what they do as far as providing lightweight options to keep you warm, uh, and uh, they also do ultralight packs and some other gear. They're going to send me a new pack to check out this uh, spring, um, hopefully to replace my day hunting. Um, hunting kit. So you'll hear more about that. And of course, all of our podcasts are supported by uh, West Coast Kitchen Canada. If you want to have nourishing meal in your nourishing meals in your backpack while on the hunt or out adventuring, check out the folks at West Coast Kitchen Canada and uh, use the discount code Eat Wild, whether you're buying a tent or whether you're buying uh, West Coast Kitchen grub. Okay. Other things from stuff that Eat Wild is up to. Uh, we just put out our first uh, bear hunting online course. So that's something I put together with uh, Nolan Osborne. He's the editor with the Journal of Mountain Hunting. He's also a hunting guide. And more specifically, he's a professional bear hunting guide. Um, Nolan and I are, are friends. And um, we basically hang, hung out and built a online course for black bear hunting. So if you're thinking that Black bear hunting might be part of your journey going forward as a hunter. Uh, this is definitely the course for you. It basically breaks down where, how, and when to hunt black uh, black bears. Um, you know, really catering to the BC hunter. You know, what I love about this course, well, what I love about it is it kind of makes like black bear hunting is a relatively accessible accessible hunt for folks who live in the city. Uh, you know, you can. You don't have to go too far till you get into black bear, black bear country, and once um, you know, you, and you can essentially fill your freezer with wild organic meat with a fairly low barrier hunt. So I think that black bear hunting is a great place to start. There's also a spring bear hunting season, which you know makes getting out hunting in the spring obviously a little bit more accessible. Whereas you know in, in the fall, there's you know, lots of other things you might be thinking about. Uh, getting after for hunting. So if you want to check that out, go to our, go to Eat Wild, look for our online courses and you'll find the bear hunting workshop there and our online courses. And uh, it's 18 bucks and it's about four hours of learning. So I hope you check that out. And uh, there's all kinds of other online courses that I'm dropping in there as part of my um, past year or so, just trying to get some more content there for you folks to continue to elevate your hunting game and uh, just become better hunters and uh, yeah, have success. So, okay, let's talk to Adam. Let's go. Yeah, I was saying, I was just writing the notes down for this podcast and I was getting so excited to have this conversation. And so I don't, I, hopefully we can fit it into an hour, but um, yeah, man. Hey, Adam, welcome back to the Well Podcast. How you doing? I'm doing great. It's great to be here. Oh spring spring is here oh my god i was just as you were i was waiting for you to join here i'm looking out the window and it's like flat calm water secret cove is just like begging me to be out there fishing right now so the last couple of days of this salmon season here on the coast before they close it for the summer and like 
Oh, it's it's happening, man. Spring season. You got to you got to come down and and do some foraging on the ocean with Mickey and I. It's a, it's a good time. It sounds amazing. Got to get the omega fats going. Omega fats, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm okay. I'm excited to talk to you because because I I was so as as you know from we had a hunt together in in the fall. We did we went on a, a highly eventful elk hunt in some of the most beautiful country in the world and uh, tested our paddling skills in some whitewater rivers in the Northern Rockies. Um, but we spent a lot of time talking about bow hunting. And I think you brought me to a place where I'm like, I'm ready to fully commit to this journey of becoming a bow hunter. And out of that discussion, I think I talked you into helping me do a bow hunting workshop for the Eat Wild community, for folks who are sort of like me, who have been a rifle hunter for their you know better part of their hunting journey and then transition to potentially to transition to a bow hunting or b- building bow hunting into their hunting practice or their hunting journey and secondly i it's probably one of the most common questions i get from the new hunters or like i want to i how about bow hunting like do you guys offer anything for bow hunting so this has been a long time for me to kind of find the right person or have those conversations or get excited myself so you're the man adam Thanks so much for stepping up and helping me do this. And then, and most importantly, have this conversation with me. So this conversation is about, well, why should Dylan bow hunt is the, probably the, the conversation, but realistically it's why, like, why should, like, you know, why should someone become a bow hunter? And I think you're the, you're the right guy to have this conversation with. So can you for do, could you introduce yourself a little bit, but give us a bit of background on your relationship to bow hunting to get us started. Okay. Well. I mean, it's like any endeavor that you're going down, it's either the best decision of your life or the worst. It just becomes how much time you can spend on yet another activity and passion. And bow hunting is, I mean, the claws of bow hunting sink deep because it is, it it is, it can be such a committing and demanding activity because like there's many different areas of the, of the craft that you can dive into, but how I got started, I grew up in Southern Alberta. And so the, the difference for, for folks that are li- listening, you've got mostly BC listeners or throughout Canada, North America, Southern Alberta offers some of the greatest archery only opportunity that, that I, I personally know of. And so you've got two zones around essentially like Metro high population areas, Calgary and Edmonton, you got archery only zones. And it's basically like, roughly a, a 40 or 50 kilometer circle all around those two places. They have, when I grew up, it was absolutely prime whitetail mule deer hunting. So you've got mule deer living in the coolies. You've got whitetails living in the denser forests on the fringe of egg. And you have some, some big animals rolling around. And the only legal way to hunt them all year long, which allows them to grow more mature and sort of reduce the harvest is, is bow hunting. So that's the only way you can hunt them. And so, I think where you have other areas that do have rifle seasons or um, maybe a mix of archery and rifle, especially when animals are rutting, you're going to have some level of harvest where where people might see an old animal that never puts itself at risk except for that seven to ten days out of the year and it's walking through a field and person pulls over, it's their lucky day, they shoot the animal um, with a rifle. And that just doesn't happen in archery only areas. So those animals can live 
potentially a, a lot longer and, and re- reach a different level of maturity. So that, I sort of like grew up in that like idyllic zone. Um, well, at the same time, my dad was a, was a totally just like out of his tree bow hunter. He was really into it. And so we lived in, in the, just between Calgary and a town called Cochrane, which is in the Calgary bow zone. And then further West in the Rockies, there was a, which there still is to this day, there's an archery only bighorn sheep unit. So you're all around the city of Canmore. You can hunt um, basically all of September and all of October for bighorn sheep in this, in this area. So it's, you're sort of, I, I never knew any different. Like I grew up bow hunting. I started bow hunting when I was legal to do so at the age of 12. I had a tree stand 200 yards from our back porch and my brother and I would race when we got off the bus, depending on if it was a north wind or a south wind, which tree stand <laughs> we were going to sit in. And we were just, that was just what we did. And so I never really knew about this like world of rifle hunting or archery hunting specific to, to, to some areas and rifle hunting specific to others. Like it was just hunting was with a bow and that's what we grew up doing. Our friends, um, the few people that we associated with did bow hunt and, and there was some rifle hunting in the fringes, but it was like, it was pretty bow only. Um, now over in British Columbia, it's a little bit less, you're a little bit less incentivized in terms of seasons and areas. There is a few, and there is some reasons why you might be interested in bow hunting. But, um, yeah, as I, as I moved up to BC to study environmental science and as I've hunted as a non-resident through places in the U S and, um, around the world, which I've kind of taken this whole hunting thing into like a photography and, and film and media, um, career, so to speak with my wife, Frankie, we run a production company. We get to work with some awesome brands. We feel really privileged to to get to do what we get to do, but we've seen sort of like how hunting is different throughout North America and the world. And so in in BC, it's actually, you're not as incentivized as other places. So places like Montana, you'll have a six week archery only season for elk in the rut. You get to hunt the rut. And then it turns over to a six week rifle season. Places like, um, you know, that's like more standard. Like they're not offering a rut hunt opportunity with a rifle. They're, they're managing it more. And that's what's the original idea of bow hunting from like a wildlife management perspective is it's managing the opportunity as opposed to the harvest. It's sort of a self reducing harvest because success rate on bow hunts are significantly lower than rifle hunts. So essentially you allow more people out in the woods relative to the number of animals that you're trying to take out of that landscape you also have arguably a, a safer experience in the sense that you probably have less chance at um, hunter conflict or or any sort of like shots being fired accidentally towards the direction of another hunter. Um, and so you have some like nice benefits, although, like I said, again, in BC, you just don't have like huge benefits of as, as far as like the hunting regulations, except for a few cases. And I think we can talk about those cases, but those might be hunting in more municipal areas where you have to use a restricted weapon. Um, there is some seasons. You do get the 10, day, 10 days of, of seasons, I think, in like these Kootenays where you're going to get September 1st attempts. And I mean, throughout the province, you're going to get the first 10 days, but you're not getting any special, and I'm bouncing around on species a little bit, but you're not getting any special elk hunting opportunity to hunt the rut or something like that. You're not getting any special deer opportunity to hunt the rut. You're competing with other rifle hunters, um, which I've never thought twice of. I mean, I've never just really compared to the two. I, I think it's a totally personal hunting experience to choose to hunt with whichever 
weapon you want, however you want, for whatever animals you want. I think I think to choose to take an animal's life is a is a choice that shouldn't be taken lightly, and you should be influenced by um, your own sort of ethic and where you're at is on your sort of pathway as a hunter. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's like a maybe a little high level yeah, look at the landscape and, and and some of the I'm gonna hit a <laughs> some few of the pieces of the bow hunt. Yeah, yeah, you, you've pretty much covered my entire agenda for our podcast <sighs> in one in six minutes of. Uh... <laughs> okay we're not love it. and the other thing too don I'm, I'm working on i'm talking the reason i'm like jacked up on this stuff i'm writing in of course like extremely last minute fashion a keynote speech for the alaska bow hunters uh banquet on saturday night which by the time they hear this i'll probably have already done it up in anchorage i got invited to do that so we're going up there so i'm just sort of like in this mind space you hit it at the perfect time and we're getting ready for the for the eat wild um bow hunting course that's coming up here in less than a couple months. So I'm like in the bow hunting realm and why would you do it from like a philosophical standpoint, what it means to me, how bow hunting has provided connection in my life, but also from like a, yeah, wildlife management, why, why people might want to sort of be open to the idea of bow hunting. Okay. Well, I'm going to walk you through this conversation because I think it's great timing. I got you here, but I, cause I'm going through the same thing right now. And, and of course, I mean, yeah, the foundation of this is that we're partnering on this, uh, eat wild, Learn to bow hunt workshop where you're going to spend a couple of days with Adam and myself and and our and another group of friends of ours that's the that does specific courses on archery that's the Feathered Fletch Archery School, and so between the the three of us we're going to do I mean I'm not going to contribute too much other than <laughs> cooking for you guys uh, and and the group but uh, and talking maybe a little bit about still hunting and and, and thoughts around what animal behavior and whatnot as it relates to walking by your tree stand, um, but. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I, I have a couple of things I want to ask you. So first off, Adam, have you ever, have you ever hunted with a firearm? Has it ever been part of your program? I put a huge dent in the population of gophers around Cochrane, where I grew up uh, with a 22. Okay. Um, that's the extent of my rifle hunting experience. So I've, I've never hunted anything with a rifle, except I got to back up our group bison hunt with our group of four. And we had two tags and uh, I was carrying around a 338 because I thought I was going to get killed by a bison, maybe that was wounded. Although that never happened, uh, but I wouldn't really call that hunting. I was I was photographing and I just had the gun strapped to my to my pack. Um, but yeah, that's not hunting to me. That's not that's not what I was doing. So the answer to long-winded answer is uh, to make it short is no. Okay, so the second answer uh, question I had for you is: Have you ever gone a winter with an empty freezer since you started hunting it as as a kid in Alberta? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, it's funny how we care a lot about or how we define success in hunting and sort of this like binary, did you fill a tag or did you not? Um, I used to care a lot about it and I used to really sort of evaluate the season based on that. 2020 was the first time since I started bow hunting that I did not, like the calendar year of 2020, which is an interesting year for everybody, was the first year that I did not personally kill an animal that I, that I, yeah, I, I didn't, um, since I started hunting and I don't know why I knew that or if I was like sort of keeping track of a streak or what. Um, but yeah, it was sort of, it was actually really great because it was sort of like a, oh yeah, it's not why I do it. It's not, it, you know, I got to go on some great hunts and, um, yeah, I wouldn't have traded that year for anything in the world. So it was actually kind of nice to like have that streak sort of broken but uh 
Yeah, I would say for the most part, not really. And, and I think that becomes more too with just like a community of what hunting is to me. And, and I, I mean, to a huge extent, I know it's true for you too, Dylan. It's hunting is like, whether the person punching the tag or not, you're always sort of as a, as a person who's in the community of hunting, like you're helping on hunts, people are sharing their meat with you. Like if you do, if times are lean, like, you know, you'll probably, I mean, I pack, I usually pack out a few animals for people that are rifle hunters every year. So I end up with meat in the freezer one way or another. Um, but yeah, harvesting is, uh, is not something that happens as frequent as, uh, as somebody that might be rifle hunting. Well, I'd say if you, you've, if you've had one downer year out of the bunch, you're probably doing much, much better than the average rifle hunter. I, I, I think about this a lot too, like this sort of like, but I also uh, hunt a shitload. Well, I also hunt a lot. Yeah, I know you do, but you're also working half the time or more. So like, (laughs) but I think it's an interesting concept because I, I have, yeah, like I, am working on this too. Like I, I come from a, like a, like a Métis family where like, if, like I'm like one generation separated from you know, my, my my grandfather grew up in in uh, in the Métis community in in on Winnipeg Lake and like if you didn't kill your moose you're gonna be really hungry like mm-hmm. you know if you didn't catch your fish you're gonna be hungry so like I kind of grew up with this like it's so important to dedicate all time and effort to filling your freezer and my and my family kind of has had that ethic about them and this is something I'm really battling with my journey the thing about bow hunting, it's like, can I separate, like, this is embedded thing about like, I will not survive the year if I don't harvest something. And it's, it's so, I mean, it's, I mean, you can go buy a pig for 150 bucks and cut it up and put it in your freezer. And it's about the same as a, you know, white tail buck that you would have driven across the province to go and kill in 10, 10 days doing it. Right. Like it's, it's, you know, the, 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 it is something I'm getting more comfortable with. And, and, and also, I mean, the, as we get into this conversation a little bit further, like I'm starting to realize that there's been some big changes in my life. One of which is I married Mickey, who's also an enthusiastic hunter and she wants an opportunity to harvest. And if we're both harvesting, um, we've already demonstrated in the couple of years that we've been doing this together, that we were over harvesting. Like we've got more animal in the freezer even with our, you know, we, we support my, you know, my mom and, and, uh, and my family and, and we give away a lot of meat within our community, um, or, and have a lot of dinner parties. We're still like, okay, we over harvested, like over harvested. I mean, we both killed a couple deer this year and that turns into a, a pretty good dent on the freezer. Um, and, and so just getting comfortable with this idea of like, Hey, it's okay if you go through a season with just having the opportunity to hunt, going through the process of hunting, having these adventures, these opportunities, but maybe not killing something, which is I'm appreciating will be part of this journey of bow hunting for me. So, so why do you think that, um, you know, people want to bow hunt? Like, what do you think are some of those key motivators that people maybe come to you and ask you about, or the folks who are, you know, you know wanting, wanting to sort of jump into the bow hunting community? What, what do you think they're latching onto initially as motivations? Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I, I think probably a couple of things. I think we desire to be really close to these animals. And I think that that's one thing that doesn't necessarily have to be a part of bow hunting. It, it's not mutually exclusive from rifle hunting. I think I know a lot of rifle hunters, yourself included, that will try to be maybe within like just by the one, by the nature of the style of hunting and to the terrain at which you're pursuing these animals 
you might be within 100 or 80 meters anyways. And so I think there's a huge desire to be close to animals, whether you're bow hunting, rifle hunting, wildlife photographers. It is just really cool to be up close and personal to a wild animal that maybe has no idea that you're there, that has way better senses than you. So getting close, I think, is, is probably one of the reasons. I think another reason for some people that I have met that are either getting into hunting or have hunted a little bit, or I actually know of a few cases of folks that have been serving overseas in the military of some sort. They don't want to use a gun. They don't have a positive association with a firearm. And so they're seeking out a different method and a different tool. And bow hunting is, is an, is an opportunity to have that. And so I don't personally experience that because I don't, I don't have that experience with, with rifles and, and, and haven't rifle hunted, but a, a bow is fun to shoot. Like it's a fun, cool thing. It's fun to figure out. Um, I think a rifle is, is fun to shoot in, in some regard too. And people love to experiment with the loads and sort of like the capabilities of some of these rifles. But I, I know for most people that, that bow hunt and rifle hunt quite frequently that they're sort of bad on, so, on both sides of the plate, let's say. They enjoy shooting their bow more than they enjoy pounding rifle shots at the range. And, and, and logistically, they just might not be able to. They might not have access to a gun range and they can shoot their bow in their backyard at 20 yards. I shoot my bow in my garage every day. I mean, you can shoot a bow almost anywhere. And so that's probably another part of it too, is it's fun to shoot. Mm-hmm. That's been my experience. Like, I, I, I've never really enjoyed shooting my my rifle rifle or rifles i should say like my my initial experience with rifles were really negative like i my my dad bought me this like like six and a half pound ultra light browning 30-06 when i was maybe 13 years old it was like the best day of my life when i unwrapped that present under the christmas tree but then we went to the range probably like the next day and shot it and like without any really like proper coaching on how to you know basically hold a rifle properly and seat it into your, you know, your shoulder and create a cheek weld. And anyway, all the wrong things. I just didn't have the, like my dad wasn't a teacher in that sense and didn't anyway. So I just beat the shit out of me. And Mm -hmm. so I've ever, I I mean, I still have like, when I pick up a firearm, I go back to like 13 year old Dylan, whenever I touch a firearm and I'm scared of it. Like I'm scared of the bang. I'm scared of the recoil. And like, as much as I've tried to coach myself out of it, I've, I've taught a gazillion people, you know, how to shoot a gun properly now through workshops, courses and mentorship. And like, I can tell you everything you shouldn't do because I've done it all <laughs> with, with bad decision making and been scared of the gun. So like, when I picked up the bow, I was like, wow, I enjoy this. This is a very like pleasant meditative experience. We could, And like, you know, we're in a privileged situation now where we, we live a you know, slightly rural so we can drive up the logging road a few minutes behind our house and, create a, a, a archery range and be in nature and and shoot our bows for you know a couple hours and it's just a really pleasant experience we do the same thing with with going up and shooting our rifles in the same area but it's a whole other experience it's like we got to do this it's the ethical thing to do we got to shoot our guns and you know we got to get a good result so that we can take that shot at 100 yards or 200 yards and it feels like a much more of a i don't want to do it and i do it because i have to to be you know an ethical hunter but it's i don't i'm not fired up about going up the hill shooting my gun but i'm i like when i'm like hey mickey you want to go shoot the bows we're like yeah let's go do that that'd be a nice nice activity and that's a huge difference for me just separating myself from the firearms and i think that's a huge component like you said you the people who worked overseas and experienced gun violence in their life and and 
if you're living if you're living urban too, like guns, owning a gun in the city and just dealing with guns and transporting guns and gun licensing, it's all it's all difficult. It's all a headache, and you can just eliminate some of that by going with a bow. And uh, yeah, and I think it's super pleasant, and it's and it's way more of a skill too. I think. I mean, I I, I probably will catch it for that, but like, I feel like you know anybody can put the crosshairs on a target and you know squeeze the trigger and have a, a result that will you know harvest an animal at 100 yards whereas you really do have to focus on the practice of bow hunting so if you want to the responsibility of that practice it's it's you're going to have to do it with the bow and I think there's some accountability with that that makes it interesting as well yeah 100% I think there's a bit of romanticism too associated with it I think if you likened it to the fishing world, it, uh, a loose analogy would be just the romanticism of fly fishing and and making a nice cast as opposed to, you know, chucking a treble hook into a hole and ripping a fish's face off. Yeah, totally. Well, okay, that was the other half of this. So the, the other, I mean, there was like a real bump in people asking me about bow hunting when the Hunger Games series came out and i think it's is it, is it katniss i think is her name of the character and like and i mean it, she's super cool and she like was shoot can can you, can you actually do what she did like can you shoot birds out of the sky with a bow have you done that before no oh, i cannot actually, i remember now yes i was i was standing next to you as you were trying and it was a grouse it was actually it was actually sitting in the tree and even adam foss couldn't you know whack a grouse and yeah <laughs> i'll include that in uh yeah i still got that video totally yeah. true yeah. yeah totally true yeah it is interesting how culture works right i mean i think uh I, I remember at that time too and that came out and things probably like lord of the rings maybe a little bit f longer ago i know when that show queen's gambit came out about the chess i don't know if you watched that one but about the chess foot phenom and basically you couldn't get a chessboard in the United States for many weeks and months after. It's crazy how our culture just sort of, Oh, and, and, and old becomes new too. Like chess isn't cool. Archery hunting isn't cool. Growing a garden isn't cool. Uh, you know, canning peaches isn't cool, but it's like, Oh, that's old stuff comes new again. It's sort of, we go through these cycles as a society. It's, it's pretty Canned peaches are so good though. That eventually you're like, I gotta learn how to do this. So the other I one, totally agree. <laughs> yeah, well, you live in Okanagan too, man. You, exactly. got, the, you got the goods, man. <laughs> exactly. um, so the other thing that I hear, and I and I take it with, I, I, I kind of struggle with this one, but it's like that primal connection to hunting with the bow is somehow more legitimate as, as a form of hunting. So I, I people feel like, well, I can't become. I, I'm uncomfortable with the idea of hunting with the firearm because it was a because it's a modern approach to hunting for lack of a better descriptor but then there's like something more um ethical about hunting with the bow and do, do you have you have you kind of contemplated that conversation or have you come up against it in in your journey yeah it's an interesting one dylan i think that it, bow hunting gets in that in that sort of bucket because i think it's a as i answered the question with my first answer was proximity and sort of like you, yourself limiting yourself um, because you have to get a certain distance. And I think that you can do that with any weapon. I think 
you can say I'm, you know, I'm going to only hunt, I'm only going to shoot animals within 200 yards with a rifle or 150 yards, or I'm going to shoot an open sighted 30 odd six that, or, or that my dad gave me, or, you know, I don't think it has to be bow hunting only. I think you can choose to hunt really challenging species, maybe like really thick timber or, or maybe hunting sheep or goats or something like you can choose, you can sort of, that's why hunting is like such a progressional activity and, and you're sort of always just progressing and advancing at your own pace and compared to your own self. And so, yeah, I don't think, I wouldn't use the word ethical. Like I wouldn't say bow hunting is more ethical. I would say um, for those looking to challenge themselves and drive that that close proximity to an animal, it is, an, it is a heightened challenge and therefore probably a heightened reward if you are successful. And I, I, yeah, I wouldn't say that. And then too, I mean, there's unethical bow hunters, there's unethical rifle hunters, there's unethical um, crossbow hunters. Like there's a sort of a whole gamut of, of no matter what weapon you use, there's probably 99% or 98% of people are ethical and a couple of percent aren't. And that's not, I cannot say, oh, well, every bow hunter is, is ethical and rifle hunters are, there's a higher percentage of unethical hunters. I would not agree with that, that statement at all. But I think you can heighten up the challenge and then you can, you can, um, may, maybe reap a bit more of the, the reward of, of having to get so close. But that's the thing about hunting too, is it, it is a little bit fabricated and manufactured, right? Because you can always up the ante somehow we're operating in a world where there is no, I mean, we are a human animal interface. Like this stuff is a little bit to some extent fabricated or impacted and we don't need to hunt to survive like, like to make it through the winter. As you said, you could buy the pig or you could borrow some meat from a buddy, but, um, yeah, those words are interesting. I think ethics, I don't know if that's right, but I think there is some kind of like, yeah, you could, you could say I'm more primally connected because I'm getting close, but you don't have to use a bow to do that. I hundred percent agree with that. I, I think that's what I kind of my response to folks. I was like, when they, when they kind of go down that path is justifying or, it's what it's comes from a place of inquiry they're like am mm-hmm. i being a more ethical hunter if i pick up a bow as opposed to firearms and and i think my response to them is like you know if you if you want that connection to place and wildlife you're going to get it for whether you pick up a bow or a firearm and you know that the sort of the primal connection of hunting with the bow does it make it more of a an ex- human experience hunting with a bow that that's a more profound experience and and i and again, I, I think that like I, I think I my answer is that I was like, well, yeah, I think maybe you'll you'll probably have a different experience. It's probably harder and probably more exciting in the in the moment. But like the most profound experience is that ultimately killing an animal and taking its life and eating that animal and sharing that animal throughout the year. And if your goal is that, well, you know probably pick up a firearm and that that way you can have that experience first and share that experience but what i'm excited about is going down the road a little bit okay okay i've i've had that experience now you know and i'm at a place where like i probably shouldn't hunt this year because of our freezer situation and you know is it a good time for me dylan to take on the next step so so let's transition to like sort of some of those key reasons, you kind of hit on a few of them early on in the conversation, but like what are the actual, you know, some of the tangible reasons that Dylan should pick up a bow this year? And what what would be your argument to me sitting on the banks of 
our river, our elk river this year, while we sit in this 35 degrees and there's no elk around and we're having to have long conversations about this type of stuff. So what would you say to me there? I would say specifically to you, I would say it's going to make you a better hunter. I think it's going to make you think about stalking animals in a, in a, in a way. And you already think about this in a, in a pretty high amount for a rifle hunter, I would say, because of the style at which you hunt both rifle and, and for whitetails and mule deer, as you are like a still hunter, you're already sort of thinking this way, but I think it'll actually like up your hunting stalking game because now all of a sudden you have to, not only have to get within a certain distance, let's say you have to get within 50 meters, you have to draw a bow. So you have to make a movement that is going to per- perhaps get you seen and you have to anchor and it's probably going to take you seven to 12 seconds to be able to shoot. Whereas opposed to a rifle, once you've got to within that shooting range and you have the gun up and you have your rest, like you can go off safe and you can shoot relatively quickly and you don't have to make a big drawing movement. So I think it's going to change. It's going to let you look a little bit differently at like how to get within bow range. I know it does for, for me because sometimes I'll hunt with someone who is rifle hunting and I'll, and I'll basically, and my experience is more in open country and in the mountains. And so I'll sort of look at something and go, okay, well, we got a sheet bedded here. Let's stock it. Like we're bow hunting. Let's, let's, let's just do that. And then if it, if it goes, to shit and the wind changes and the thing stands up or, or we don't quite calculate what we think is going to happen. I'm pretty confident we're still going to be within 200 yards or 150 yards. So, um, I think it'll actually just make you look at hunting kind of completely differently from like more of a tactical hunting perspective. But then also like, I think it'd be silly not to mention that. Um, I think it'll just give you a new look at hunting too, and just sort of go, Oh, wow. What, what I've seen anyways is, you sort of lower down, like, like you almost return back to like a new hunter and, and back to like when you just were, were stoked to see animals and get within range. And just like, that was like a measure of success as opposed to now, as you progress further down this hunting career, I think we just have a heightened level of almost expectation. Like, okay, I'm going to go up. I'm going to, hopefully I'll get my elk or I'll get my deer. And it's like, you sort of go through the motions, you know, you've, you've done it year after year, you got the muscle memory. And when you sort of wipe that slate completely clean, you're like, Oh, this is cool. Like I'm, I'm just starting fresh. And so I think you give you a new appreciation for hunting. And I think it might make you a little bit better hunter, even though, I mean, you're already such a great hunter. I don't know how it would be possible to improve <laughs> no, upon it, but it's, if it, it, just if it does. Impossible. Well, the funny thing is like, <laughs> this is a great, it was, it was a great con. I mean, one, what I learned on a elk hunt together was like, I've got a pretty tight program for killing elk that I've applied year over year, year with, with pretty much a hundred percent, hundred percent success in the, where we go hunting and how we hunt and it's produced. Right. And the part that I was so excited about when we were talking is about like, you're, you're, you're coming to this hunt with me with this whole other game of hunting where it's like, I just need that animal to get within 150 yards, hundred yards. And you're thinking about getting that animal to 25 yards when you're calling. And the discussions that we're having, like, I I have this very general discussion about how to kill an elk out to 100 yards. I haven't even contemplated what it would take to get an elk to within 30 yards. And that's where, like, your whole program picks up. And I'm like, I got so excited because I was like, you got this whole strategy. You got this whole program. You got this whole, you know, like, 
game about getting animals much closer. I've never even thought about it because if an animal gets you within 100 yards, it's dead. Whereas right. you're just getting started as a bow hunter. And and that gets me excited. I'm like, oh, I got all this, like, like I got I got lots to learn now. I got this this whole program that I can tie, you know, bring it in. And it just, the, it's funny, it just kind of the first time it dawned on me after watching, you know, you watch a gazillion videos on guys calling elk. And, and, but just to be there with you and, and watch how you hunt, I'm like, oh, okay, there's lots more for me to learn. And that's exciting. And, and I'm, I'm up for it. I want to learn more. And I think, like you said, it kind of goes to your point. It's like you get this opportunity to kind of start again. I think you're right. And I do like that to end that on, on learning and sort of like the way that our brains work and what's stimulating is just continuing to learn new skills. And bow hunting is that, I mean, bow hunting, I learn something every single time I make a mistake every single time I go out. Hopefully I, I make the same mistake less and less as I do it, but it is, it is such a accumulation of trying to make a hundred right decisions and have a hundred things go perfect and just one thing that doesn't go right is sort of throws away your whole bow hunt um so yeah learn you will learn for sure and i'm still learning doing this stuff for i don't know let's see here 23 years 20 23 years something like that yeah 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 right still on. learning yeah keep on keep on going okay so that was the first one of my three points that i thought we would touch on uh, and you, you did touch on you know opportunity and, and, and it sounds like you grew up in a place where the opportunity was really obvious, like those great hunting season. But here in BC, where probably the majority of the well, listening audience is, is, you know, is there, is there really an opportunity that you get as a bow hunter that you wouldn't get as a, a rifle hunter? And you touched on a couple seasons, uh, probably the one that is, well, what, what do you think is probably the most prominent one that is, should be talked about or shared? Hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd say probably just, especially for, for newer hunters, just getting the ability to hunt on those sort of like fringe urban areas or more municipal areas where maybe the weapon's restricted or even just asking, perhaps you live in a place where there's a lot of private land. If you ask somebody for permission to hunt and they have 40 acres and maybe they have a few head of cows or horses running around, you're probably nine times out of 10 gonna get the door shut on you or just have pause hey we don't take hunters just not part of our program nothing against hunting you might get that answer but the conversation sort of flips when you say oh i'm actually just bow hunting and i think there's a level of interest there but also there's a huge level of safety of hey yeah you can come if you're bow hunting yeah come on out i mean fill your boots and so i think that's where you might just get a little bit more opportunity with regards to like the actual regulations of, of the seasons allowing weapons restricted areas but then also perhaps just the ability to hunt on land that um that people might not give you permission on because of that so i think that's probably especially in the southern half of the province totally i i think that's something we should probably just, i mean the 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 reason for this and just to give the background is that you know hunting with a rifle when you pull the trigger there's a potential for anything within a kilometer of you could potentially be hit by a bullet and uh, obviously we're all trying to be careful about where our bullets end up but a, how far is the lethal distance of a bow? Like, like how far until it just kind of hits the ground if you're shooting at something that's, you know, four feet off the ground? Yeah, we could do like a quick grade 11 physics calculation and tell you that. Um, 
I think like, I mean, at a, for launching a projectile at 45 degrees, like the longest it can go, um, yeah, it might be like three or 400 yards, but realistically you're not shooting up into uh, the sky. You're, you're shooting, shooting parallel with the ground at about yeah. three feet above the ground. So yeah. That, yeah. That arrow is going to hit the ground in 80 or a hundred yards or, or, or closer depending on how yeah. long your shot is. So yeah. yeah and it so, doesn't have the ability to really in any significant way, like a rifle, like ricochet or obviously there's no noise essentially. Um, so yeah, it's a little bit different just from a physics standpoint. Yeah. So whether you're hunting on private land or within a municipality, like the, the potential for accidents from a bow hunter is got a less than a hundred meter radius around them, which is much more manageable for a landowner or for why we have these municipal regulations is it's just a much safer way to allow for hunting and hunting management within in and around places. Okay. I have a question. And I will too. say to, to add to that too. And now that we, we as hunters are all paddling, paddling the same boat and trying to stick together and are sticking together. But I think too, as rifle hunting progresses with like the ability of long range shooting, we do have, have a very legitimate, I mean, we're, we're seeing from rifle manufacturers talking about a thousand yards out of the box. And I, I think we're like, in this age where somebody new to bow hunt, new to hunting might say, well, well, great, I can pick up a rifle and I should be able to be proficient at a very long range. And, and the tools will do that. I mean, the rifle will do that. I'm not saying the the shooter will do that. Um, they don't have the skills to read the wind. And, and, and to my opinion, it isn't ethical to be shooting at those distances at all. Um, that's my own opinion. My opinion does not represent the opinion of Eat Wild and Dylan. I don't... and. and uh, if you want to talk I'm long range shooting, I will, I will just, I will, I will, I will, I have my opinions as well. They're shared with you that it's just, yeah, keep it under 200 yards. <laughs> well, and yeah, and I, and I, I don't want to um, monopolize the podcast and go there, but I think it is important to mention as we sort of see in hunting that, wow, perhaps folks are stretching their distances out and new hunters come in and say, well, I should be able to buy a gun like this person I look up to did. And I saw him shoot an elk at 700 meters and they clicked their turret put the crosshairs on and read the dope chart and did it. Um, I think that's another reason to sort of like philosophically go back maybe to closer engagement distances, but also know that, yeah, if there is people out there that are taking those shots and I'm not saying everybody is, and I'm not saying that's happening a lot, but um, if you're hunting in bow hunting only areas or weapons restricted areas, arguably it's, you're not going to have that. Uh, you're not going to have those conflicts. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, Whole other conversation. I I'll have you back uh, on a podcast <laughs> talking about lo- my our thoughts. On, I had I, I had like about a, a five day conversation with my, my friend Connor who who's who's kind of a little bit more comfortable with the idea of long range shooting on a, on a recent hunt, and we were just like going back and forth about it. So maybe we'll all get together and uh, and chat about uh, long range shooting and how the industry is like creating new products to encourage people to shoot at you know crazy yardage when you know puts a lot of responsibility on the individual. Yeah. Okay. So be a better hunter opportunity being that opportunity in around. I think that, that for me, that's the big one for me. That's like, I moved into a no shooting area. Um, I live in some like amazing black tail country, but the best black tail country is actually in the no shooting area in and around the, in and around the residential areas. And I've got this, like some great, great places to explore now that I'm picking up my bow. Um, yeah, I, I, it's hard enough killing a, a blacktail, but I think about this a little bit. Like, if I was to go back and think about every blacktail deer I've shot, and probably the majority of white-tailed deer I've shot, they've all been shot in in bow range, like darn near, like not all, but like I would say, 
60% of the animals I've shot have been within 20 to 40 yards. Like it's just a huge percentage because you're, you're hunting thicker country where black tails live and white tails live. Like you're going to get, that's just how close you get because you don't, otherwise you don't see them. Right. And so I think, I think there's, you know, it'll just be a transition obviously to be set up and ready, but I think it's quite possible. And that that's the big opportunity for me. The, the other, uh, Oh, the question I wanted to ask you is, um, in those places where there is, you know, deer don't get harassed by rifle, rifle hunters as much. Do you think they're like more huntable, like less, like more, more likely to be present during daylight hours, be more comfortable with a little bit of pressure? Like, do you kind of get a little bit of a, a margin for proximity with those bow hunted deer that you wouldn't see in rifle hunted populations? Yes. A hundred percent. Yes. Um, I mean, especially an animal like a white tail, that's super just like pressure sensitive and, and, and white tail that's been around for four or five or six years and has lived that long has probably had close calls or, you know, heard gunshot in a rifle zone, like maybe heard gunshots and knows what that leads to. So, um, yeah, I think so. I think there's like a saying, it's like, those are just whitetails being whitetails or, or, and I'm not a whitetail expert, but I, I grew up doing it, but you know, that animals behaving the way that they naturally want to behave. They're not necessarily, um, dumb or easier, or you can get close to them. And, and with, with ease, they're still switched on. They're still wild animals. But if an animal naturally behaves the way that it's supposed to behave, there's times throughout its life cycle that they can be more susceptible to being hunted, such as their mating season or slightly before that. And animals like elk who probably get hunted or in areas that they, you know, there's like a higher predator concentration and they'll stop calling as much and they'll sort of switch to be more nocturnal. And you'll see that with whitetails too. So, so yeah, they're good. They're really good at staying alive, whether it's by natural predators or human predators. And if you're only hunting um, in a bow only zone, in a bow only zone, they're going to be behaving a little bit more naturally how they would just on their own in the wild. Yeah, for sure. And I think you see this, you know, if you go to Victoria, there's, you know, during November, there's just like monster bucks walking through the neighborhoods and those are just unpressured deer, just being deer, like you said. And like, yeah. you know, and uh, if you can get on the fringes of that with your bow, you're probably going to create some opportunity. Um, the other opportunity, uh, you know, for BC is there's, there's, there's some seasons where you get an extended season, whether it's the beginning of the season for the first 10 days or at the end of the season, there's a number of whitetail hunts that kind of trend into December they give you another crack at, at, at hunting, say, white-tailed deer and a few black-tail seasons that extend. So there, I think there's a, a little bit more opportunity, but the, the big one for me, I think, is just those no-shooting areas. And there's also no-shooting areas uh, that, you know, on a parallel a lot of highways here in BC. Um, the Coquihalla, for example, like there's probably great deer hunting on either side of that road, but you can't hunt with a rifle to within, I think it's 400 meters off either side. So there's there's little pockets that you could maybe focus on as as a bow hunter, which I'm kind of excited about, or processing those opportunities in addition to the early seasons as well. Okay, so there's a couple of things, more things I want to touch on before I want to get you out of here. Um, now there are some sort of, I guess, risks maybe with the sort of pursuing this, and the one that I was thinking about was that like that you know for me it's a bit of a like all of a sudden bow hunting has been possible because I've moved to a rural area and that affords me this sort of opportunity to 
practice. And well, two things. One is that like I can afford to be a bow hunter now because instead of driving for five hours and then going hunting for three days, I can take a step back and hunt every day for a couple of hours and afford to basically be a little more selective in how I hunt. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is probably I can go out and do and practice with my bow every day or every week or just kind of build that, you know, comfort. And I can even like try different actual shooting concepts like shooting downhill or shooting uphill. And these are things you just can't really do at a range in the city. And you certainly can't do if you got to get to a range every day. Um, so that's probably like, I don't know, the number one is like, well, what do you think is a reasonable, like for someone getting into bow hunting, like what's a reasonable number of arrows to put down range or days to commit to practicing? I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot here saying like, how many arrows you got to shoot before you're allowed to shoot an animal, but maybe provide some goalposts for that conversation. Yeah, great question. I, I think, I mean, it would be really nice to, in, in people that I have gotten into bow hunting in the past, I think winter is generally the time where you have, depending on where you live, you have things like indoor archery or 3D archery leagues going on. So that's a great time to introduce people into bow hunting and shooting at targets. It's also great to introduce the concept of shooting under pressure with a bow, which is different than shooting by yourself at a target. So where I, where I would go with it is a great time to get in to be able to hunt with a bow for next season is sort of like pretty close on the heels of your season winding down in the winter. And so ideally that would, that especially for someone who's just never picked up a bow, I would want them to be you know, shooting in January and February, perhaps join one of those leagues, like I said, which a lot of those leagues are really enjoyable and fun and they sound intimidating, but it's just like, I mean, it's like better than bowling. You go, you hang out with some people, you shoot downrange, you have a beer after, it's fantastic. So, and then those sort of progress into outdoor shoots. There's a number of them here in BC and in North America that again, can kind of build up that pressure and that shooting of, through trees and downhill and uphill and long shots. And those are really fun to do too. But yeah, I think you want to be on this like six month kind of like pathway where you have a good solid six months. You can, you can work your way into it because I think it doesn't really with, with a lot of skills, I don't think it's like, okay, let's say you want to shoot a thousand arrows. Let's call it a thousand. I don't think a thousand arrows August 15th to August 30th is the same as a thousand arrows, March 15th to August 15th. And, mm. and what I mean by that is just the stuff that you'll learn and how you'll, your, your muscles will start to adapt. And I think I would rather see somebody not worrying about a volume of shooting and more just giving themselves the lead time of, okay, I can slowly absorb a few more things and a few more things. And then surrounding yourself with a community if possible of, of people that are shooting a bow or if you have to only do it online. I mean, there's lots of resources online, but I think it's really helpful to be in a community talking to people about it. There's so many little things with archery that are technique and form based, but also gear based. I mean, it's one of those things where you can go on the internet and sort of start searching for the the best opinions about 
fixed blade versus me mechanical broadheads or what should my let off be or how big of a peep should I use and should I use a one pin slider or a five pin fixed or should I shoot a thumb release or a wrist strap release should I shoot um traditional or compound like drop away or you know what kind of arrows should I there's just an endless sort of list of it's a little bit daunting and I think what what we get lost a little bit sometimes in the gear conversation with archery is well what are we optimizing for and archery for me, I optimize archery for archery hunting, and I, and I optimize it for archery hunting in open mountainous landscapes, taking medium to perhaps longer shots. I want to be optimized for the opportunity to take a longer shot, so I'm trying to shoot a, a pretty light arrow that's going to go pretty fast and have a low profile to, to not have tons of wind resistance, both downrange but also crosswind-wise. And so, anyways, point being, it's nice to have somebody or some group of people that's like, hey, I'm hunting blocktails on the island. What should my setup be? And you're like, Hey, I've done this already for you. It's this, 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 and this. Now get out of the gear conversation, get out of the sort of wormhole of looking on the internet and start practicing your craft. And so mm -hmm. that's where I think that time, that like six month time is a nice to have if you can. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. And that's sort of where I'm, so I, I'm just having this conversation with myself right now because I've got a, a bear hunt coming up in a month and I'm actually very, I have a very low motivation to actually kill a bear i i think that my hunting partner is much more motivated jenny like well well much she'll bring her gun i want to kill a bear so that i don't i don't really think we need to kill two bears on this trip and and so i'm like oh maybe it's a good opportunity to bring the bow and i can like just stretch my legs with the bow and practice but then i'm also like well like i'm not feeling that i'm 100 percent ready to shoot at a live animal and as much as i've kind of put the bit of work in i'm really looking forward to the workshop because i think that it's going to be this opportunity for me to have exactly those conversations and see where I'm at with, like, it seems like I'm doing pretty good. I go to the range, I shoot, you know, two inch groups of arrows. It feels pretty good. And at, you know, 30 yards and 40 yards, I'm feeling like, okay, this is coming together, but I haven't been under pressure. I haven't really played with like angle. I haven't really like, yeah. Yeah. dealt with that stress that you're talking about. So I, like, I'm, I don't think I'm ready, but you know, Anyways, I'm looking forward to that opportunity. So, so okay, my, my, my next question, and, and this is kind of what we're wrapping up here, is, you know, when a new hunter comes to us and says, hey, I and I want to I want to learn how to hunt, but I, I don't really want to take on firearms, you know, is it a good idea for me to start my journey as a bow hunter? Um, would you give that a thumbs up or a thumbs, well, how would you answer that question to that person? And um, what would you suggest are the next steps for that person to take on if they're you know, feeling good about being a bow hunter. Well, my brother's a financial advisor. And so sh shout out to him. And every time I ask him a question about asking for some advice in his area of profession and expertise, the first thing he does is he turns it back on me in, in a very curious way. And he'll ask, well, what are your goals? So, 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 I would turn that person comes comes in through Eat Wild and says, ask that question. Just ask, I would say, well, what, what are your goals? Do you want to have a great experience being outside in nature and like experiencing what it is to bow hunt, which is primarily not being on a lot of animals, not killing very man, very man, very many animals at all. Um, so I would flip it back, but let's say that answer is, well, Hey, no, I, I, it seems like the right thing for me based on this conversation and this pathway that I've walked. 
Um, let's think about the next steps. I think archery is one of those sports that having a proper introduction into the sport can save you many, many years and probably a few bucks too of, of heartache of finding the wrong sort of path to go down. And so what I mean by that is archery is so fit and body specific with how you shoot a bow and the geometry of your draw length and where your anchor point is that if you could invest on the front end in a few of those things as you enter this sport to get set up um, properly and perhaps take a few lessons or if you're able to make the workshop come up to the workshop, you're going to be starting on like year three of a bow hunter. And, and bow hunting sort of has two components. It's got the hunting part and it's got the archery part. And I think the archery part, it, it can actually be pretty hard to just get up and running. A lot of people, they'll buy a bow, they'll, they'll inherit a bow from their cousin or they'll buy a bow on eBay and they're like, great, this is my bow. It's two inches too long of draw length. It hits me in the wrist every time I shoot it. I, it's not tuned. The limbs are cracked and it looks like it's going to dry fire and explode and kill me. You always see pictures of people with like those splinters of arrows in through their hand. Anyways, there's a bit of a safety thing there too. <laughs> Don't want to scare anyone away. But I think, I think starting off on the right foot on getting your equipment set up properly, fit properly, you're going to be like light years ahead. Um, and then I think from there, yeah, it's like it, it is it is similar to, hunt, to just hunting in general where it's like very challenging to progress sometimes without like that mentorship, without sort of that real world situations. But I think if you, if you can't fall, line yourself up with friends or mentorship or, or sort of like a community to, to learn from, I would highly recommend that you would do that. But if you can't, I think you have to sort of put yourself in this place where you're getting reps like that's the just like heartbreaking thing about bow hunting is that you're going to make a mistake. You're going to like this first time you bow hunt Dylan, you're going to do everything right, except something. I mean, you're going to act, you're going to make the 15 mistakes that I've made. And we'll talk about them in the course. It's like you ranged 10 yards in front of the bear, a limb was crossing its head and you range found that instead of the animal. And we're going to talk about, you want to kill the animal twice with your range finder so you can kill it the third time with your bow. And there's these these like little rules and things that I say in my head that I've already made all those mistakes and they're heartbreaking. And the heartbreaking thing about it is you might have to wait 365 days for your next opportunity. So you've learned this lesson and you're going to lose sleep over it. And you forgot to people that shoot a slider site, which is a movable site. It allows you to shoot more accurate distances, but there is a chance that if you forget to set your sl slider and by that, I mean the one pin you were shooting at 90 yards. You were shooting six inch grips at 90 yards in a logging road. And the next day you go out bear hunting that bear walks out at 18 yards and you shoot four and a half feet over its back and you make a perfect release and you do everything that we talk about. It's heartbreaking, but you will not hopefully make that mistake again. It's just going to be maybe a long time before you get the chance to rectify that mistake. So point being is you got to get the reps in. You got to just sort of like keep getting those reps and making those mistakes because it is, it is a bit of a journey that you can, perhaps you can compress, I think. You can compress it by having the right gear. You can compress it by having a bit of mentorship or community. And I think you can compress it by putting yourself out there and sort of having your expectations like low, like fairly low. I mean, that is the beautiful thing about it though, is that I, I'm almost jealous. It sounds kind of sick and twisted, but I'm a little bit jealous when someone is like starting bow hunting and they have this like shiny little light, light in their eyes you have right now, or... The other thing that I'm really passionate about, starting sheep hunting and in the hunting world, I'm like, I kind of wish I was you because you're going to start here and like, 
it's like you're just sort of building the map and, and, and all these things are happening and you're just, it's like you're, you come back from a hunt and you're like immediately, okay, what can I do better next year? And you're going through your gear and you're just, it's just like a really cool moment to have that growth. And that's what I think is great about bow hunting because you're never really at this like end of this journey of like, okay, I'm a bow hunter now. I'm, I guess I'm done. Um, there is no end date. So I think those are three of the things, but I do like the, the sort of, question answering the question the question is well what are your goals like what are you looking to do why are you looking to get into bow hunting yeah yeah at the end of the day i I think that's a really important question because i think where the point for me that it's become a possibility of doing this is it's because i've moved to a rural place the other thing is i married a hunter which makes me i got more sort of you know you know more balls and the whatever the the draw now like the chances of it coming <laughs> yeah. out positive for coming up for the win here it's, it's a lot higher when you have two hunters in the same household trying to fill the freezer so that has really changed things for me because I, I don't think i'll ever get away from the the metis hunter in me like that that person that is like i i have to fill the freezer i i guess just that's my dna i won't be able to separate from that like i don't ever imagine like the thought of going you know back to elk camp, like elk camp with a bow and then like not having killed a bow an elk for about two or three years in a row and i'm like i i don't know if i can i don't know if that 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 part of me can deal with that i mean I, i'm always working on that though like like that's the part of that it's partly ego driven it's partly driven by my you know desire to cook amazing food and you know for for my you know for my family and my community and you know separating that's going to be complicated but you know, if I can step away, step away from it, I'm really looking forward to this, all these benefits of like yeah, getting excited about hunting in a different way and failing again. I, I, I can remember this, uh, the first year I missed, I think it would have been like 10 or 11 years old to what I don't know if that's like grade four or five. Um, but I remember like sitting in my like grade four class and like with my head down, just like reliving all of the things that I did wrong on this whitetail hunt that was like a gift from the whitetail gods. I mean, the deer walked within, I think, 10 feet of me and stood there and looked at me. And I just, I was so young, I couldn't quite confirm if it was a whitetail buck or a mule deer buck and, and want to be absolutely sure. So I had to wait for it to turn around. And by the time it turned around and, you know, all the things, right. And I ended up missing the deer. And I mean, it was like 300, like, you know, you know, you know 60 days of just agony until I got my opportunity to go back out there and hunt again. And, I'm kind of ready to sign up for that, you know, like a little bit of like <laughs> failure and like, yeah, yeah. Totally we can talk, so. we can talk at the end of the season and see, you can, you can get a split comparison of the excitement and then, and that's another thing that I love too. I mean, there is at least at one point in every season that I am totally questioning why the hell I do this. Like why, like whose idea is this? And I think <laughs> really every three or four years, there's a point where I'm like, I think this is the last time I'm going to do this. Like, this is absolutely ridiculous. So it's like, I mean, I love analogies. I love sports analogies. I love comparing things either accurately or not. But I mean, I think golf is like a really good comparison too, where, you know, when you, when you hit a perfect, like it's sort of like the saying of those, those perfect shots keep you coming back, right. Where you, where you drain a long putt or, you know, you just play around just perfectly or, or, you know, you hit that great shot. Mm-hmm. And bow and bow hunting is the same, but in golf, when it's not working, when your game is off, I mean, in, in bow hunting, you're not shooting well, or you just don't feel confident 
in the woods and you're sort of second guessing everything. It, it's very challenging to sort of like push through that. And I think golf is the same way. So do you like golf? Are you a golfer? Oh yeah. 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 I've, I've, I've yeah. left it behind though. Cause I feel like it's, right. like, I, I was a golfer for years that largely when I was in the city, it's a great way to connect with nature in in the urban environment. So I golf for years and I love it. It's, it's awesome. But it, you know, now that I'm got a little more going on, it's hard to find the time, but I love it though. I, I just about threw my golf clubs out the other day. I was like looking at them. I'm like, do I really need to pack these around? And then I, they were in the truck ready to go to the dump. And I was like, ah, no, I might just have a few more games in me. So yeah, keep them. It's a great game. Oh yeah. I love, I love the game, but all right. So how many spots, how how many spots do we have left on the, uh, we have left here? Are we see, we keeping a couple for anyone that listens to this? Yeah. Yeah. We'll have a few left. I think, I think we'll have, um, yeah, well, we've got up to about eight people signed up. We've got about, you know, four more spots and try to run a crew of 12 or 14. And, um, yeah, I'm stoked. It's going to be a nice time of year. We're doing it just, uh, it's actually on the Mother's Day weekend, but it's not on, we're going to do it like Friday, Saturday, which is a bit odd because uh, we got to travel there and stuff. But I felt it was more important that we all spend the Sunday with our mothers and, you know, uh, yeah, and that's important. So I figured we'd try and do that. It was the only weekend that we that both Adam and I had available to team up. Um, yeah, and Feathered Fletch Archery is school is going to come and host uh, a basically a foundational piece, a foundational workshop on how to shoot. And then Adam and I are going to take over and talk about, well, Adam mostly, and uh, talk about fundamentals of how to be kind of get cat. I think it was kind of good. You mentioned that the sort of like there's the how to shoot bow, like a bow and arrow. That's an important part of archery, but like the whole other world of like how to hunt and how to hunt with a bow. And I think there's going to be, we got a pretty good agenda put together and there's some stuff I can support on as far as like how to get close to animals and breeding habitat and, you know, figuring out funnels and where to, where to set up and stuff. Cause I think it's all pretty similar to, um, how we all hunt. So yeah, I think we'd have a lot of fun. So I'm stoked Adam. I'm glad you're doing it. It's going to be a good time. So if, if people want to find that, they got to go to our website, jump, grab one of those last few spots. Um, yeah, man, this has been fun. I, I want to catch up. I've got a billion other things to talk to you about, about, you know, our next adventure hunt. that's going to have to happen here to redemption hunt at some point, but why don't we sign off and let people, uh, let us, yeah, let people get back to it. And, um, cool, man. Thanks so much, Adam. Where, where can people find you if they want to reach out to you or follow along on your journey? Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm usually most of my stuff is floating around on, on Instagram via my last name. Mostly it's Fossman eight is, is my handle there. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can see what we're doing for, for the companies that support what we do um, and conservation organizations that we work with too. So that might be Wild Sheep Foundation, Sheep Society, BC, Sika Gear, Matthews Inc. is a company that we're going to be probably have a bunch of their bows up there and um, Mystery Ranch Backpacks, guys like that, that just, I mean, make great gear, but also support the, the mission and the vision of, of why we're out there and uh, yeah, keeping hunters out there and, and more importantly, keeping wild places wild and and hopefully some wild animals for us to pursue if we're so lucky if we don't completely screw this whole planet up well we're, we're well on our way but let's hope we can hang on for a little <laughs> longer <laughs> right on adam we'll shut this I down hang so. on here for a second we'll uh, we'll sign off with other stuff okay all the best cheers hey folks i hope you enjoyed that podcast now we'd love to hear from you so drop us a question either on our Instagram or email me directly at dylan at eatwild.ca and we'll do our best to answer that question on our future podcast 
or we might even build an entire podcast based on your questions. So thanks for doing that. So if you want to hear more from Eat Wild, you can come join us. We're doing a series of Eat Wild Learn to Hunt webinars. So we're getting together on a monthly basis, talking about all things hunting with a group of mentors through a webinar format. There are tons of fun. Come join us there. Now, if you happen to live in the Vancouver, British Columbia area, we do in-person workshops where we get together, learn fundamental skills for you to be a better hunter. Hope you can hang out for one of those too if you happen to be in the area. Now, we'd love it if you could leave a review or a comment wherever you listen to your podcast. That'd be a great help to us. And more importantly, share this podcast with folks who care about the stuff we're talking about. So thanks for doing that. Until next time, eat well and wild. Well.